0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there, and this is Stuff You Should Know About Porcupines, which this is a
0: great idea, Chuck. Good job. You know, the porcupine, when you take away all those quills, is just a cute little guinea pig, basically.
1: A giant one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a cute big guinea pig.
1: Speaking of cute porcupines... Dude, do you remember Teddy Bear the Porcupine? Kind of went a little viral a few years ago? No. You have to watch Teddy Bear the Porcupine. Specifically, Teddy Teddy Bear the Porcupine doesn't like to share on YouTube. And it is this porcupine eating corn on the cob and making all these sounds like Cousin It. And it is one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we want to shout out uh, Live Science, uh, Smithsonian, Mental Floss, the San Diego Zoo, mm-hmm. and a couple of other websites that I cobbled together. This wonderful bit on one of our wonderful animal friends in the world. We'd love to do these shows. Uh, it just made me think. Have you seen the octopus documentary thing yet?
1: No, I haven't. I've, I have It's either. been like kind of popping up in my, in my periphery, but I don't really know what it is. Is it just about octopi?
0: Well, it's it's called My Octopus Teacher. I haven't seen it yet, but I just know the the deal oh. is, is this guy kind of gets to know one octopus. And that's, right. you know, a, a nice story ensues is all I know.
1: That's neat. We'll have to watch that.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can get, can't wait. But um, And I mentioned that because, you know, we've long said that the octopus is our favorite animal. But I feel like almost every time we've done one on an animal, <laughs> yeah. it's on something that we love. And boy, do I love... The quill pig. I do too. Yeah, apparently that's what the uh their Latin
1: name means, quill pig. I love that. That's great. That is fantastic. Um and it turns out, Chuck, that there are basically two groups that porcupines get lumped into. There's a bunch of different gene uh geni, yeah, that's right, and species. Um, but they're they basically fall under two categories. it's old world, which is Europe, Africa, Asia, and then new world which is North, South, and Central America. Um, and if you saw a you know a porcupine in South America and you saw one in you know the Himalayas, you probably would be like, that's a porcupine, that's a porcupine too. They're not radically different like some old world and new world um, um, animals
0: are. Yeah, but uh, something I saw that was interesting was that they evolved separately. What? Uh, one of those, what is it called, uh, co-evolutions or whatever. No, I didn't see that. That is that is crazy. I saw that and I only saw it in, a, in one place. So, um, oh, I think that might have been a personal hypothesis of somebody it, who got themselves maybe? a website. <laughs> I saw it somewhere, though. Uh, and then the, the two actually, um, the old world and the new world, have less in common than they do individually with, like, some other rodents in their area.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually not surprised to hear that. But the one thing that they do have in common across the board is that they have quills and that they use their quills defensively. Now, what their quills look like, um, how they use their quills, um, there's a lot of other distinctions and differences between old world and new world but they all have quills. they're all porcupines that seems to be the thing that that binds them it's the tie that binds that family
0: yeah and it's just it's easy to take the porcupine for granted i think and just say Mm -hmm. yeah the the little animal with all those quills but when you take a step back and look at it and think about the evolution of the porcupine that uh like i said it sort of would be a a very large sort of cute little fluffy guinea pig, but it probably got eaten a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know. They said nuts to this. Nature steps in. It's like, all right, how about this? What if we were just uh, animal pin cushions such that if you came anywhere near us, you would be mm-hmm. stabbed repeatedly if you tried to eat us? Like it's of one of the you- most amazing evolutionary adaptations I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they, they can really use those things, too. Um, there's a, a longstanding myth that they can shoot them, which is not true, but apparently nah. even Aristotle fell for that one. Nah,
0: nah, what a dummy.
1: <laughs> but they can use them in some pretty interesting ways, and, and you hit the nail on the head when you said, you, you know, step back. If you see a porcupine, that is good advice. You should probably step back because depending on the species, the species or whether it's old world or new world, those quills can mess you up pretty good.
0: Yeah, but also, you know, t- get nearby and take a look. Like, they're not going to come after you. The porcupine no. is a very kind-hearted animal. Yeah. And those are 100% for defense. A porcupine is never going to charge you and, you know, leap at your belly t- to to put quills all in your stomach. Um, so take a little look. Admire it for what it is. Um, I think you know to talk about porcupines, a lot of this is talking about the old world versus the the rush version,
1: yeah, so <laughs> the 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 big differences that I saw. Um, and there's lots of differences between different species within each of these groups. But the old world versus new world have some big differences between them. Um, and one of them is that old world are typically terrestrial porcupines. They spend most of their lives on the ground. Um, they live in burrows or caves or rock dens. And new world porcupines, they live on the ground too. They live in burrows. But they're also very um, capable of climbing trees. Um, and they'll they'll spend a significant amount of time and sometimes nest in trees. And there are some species that spend virtually their whole lives in trees, almost like sloths.
0: Yeah, um, quill-wise, uh, the New World porcupines, quills are going to be shorter and mm-hmm. smaller in general. I think they're about 4 to 10, uh, 4 inches, 10 centimeters. Um, the Old World dudes and ladies, they can get uh, very long. They can have quills up to 20 inches long. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be marked with, um, black and white bands and what they can do is these old world guys can puff them up. Um, so they stand up and are more intimidating and look also, I mean, it's weird cause it's, it's like multifold, like four or five different things they do by doing this. They look larger. Right. So that's always something that, um, vulnerable animals try to do in the wild. They look like a skunk a little bit because of the black and white marking down their back.
1: They actually have a, a defensive musk, kind of like a, a skunk, but just not nearly as bad.
0: Yeah, so they try to imitate a skunk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they look bigger. They uh, they rattle. They can shake those things and rattle them, which mm-hmm. is another great adaptation to say, like, get away from me. Don't try and eat me.
1: And supposedly that works pretty well, too.
0: Yeah, totally. And then if all else fails, they're stabby.
1: They are stabby. So um, sometimes the the old world ones will actually charge backwards toward a predator if they're feeling like they want to stand their ground. Um, And that's usually when they're caught out in the open. If they have a place to hide, they'll stick their head in that place to hide and then puff out their quills and make themselves hard to get at. Um, But if they're out in the open, they may decide that they're going to fight off this predator and they'll charge backward. And one other adaptation I saw which I thought was was awesome. They'll have the predator chase it and then they'll stop all of a sudden and the predator will run <laughs> into them in their quills. For real.
0: And then you hear the sound effect.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then it's too late.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting cuz those quills even though they puff them out, they are pointy generally in the reverse direction. Right. Which, you know, which is why they have to back up into something to to quill them mm-hmm. uh or like you said bury them just Throw on that, that uh, parking brake real quick, and all of a sudden that fox has got a face full of quill.
1: <laughs> right. So, uh, that old world um, contains a couple of species that are called crested porcupines, and they basically look like if the quills were like an umbrella, it opens at the back of their head. Yeah. And just kind of sticks out like that, and like you said, it makes them look a lot bigger. They're a lot more dangerous. Um the the big difference with quills between the old world and the new world in addition to being shorter is um old world porcupines are covered in quills that's all they have they're like they have like i don't know if we said it or not but quills are just modified hair um they're made of keratin they they're just like hair they're just way stabbier than hair that you and i have well it's like hair um, meets
0: fingernails
1: basically yeah that's a great way to put it, and old world porcupines that 's all they have are quills um New world porcupines have quills that are also mixed in with um fur like an undercoat, longer hairs, um and their quills kind of stand up and are, are used for defense that 's not just it's not all that they have um and the other thing about their quills is that they have little barbs and new world um porcupines' barbs. Make their new world quills way more dangerous than old world quills.
0: Yeah, it's like a little fish hook basically, and it'll, instead of just poking right into you, it'll actually snag in your flesh Mm -hmm. and makes it, like you said, way, way tougher to get out. Um, A much harder time removing a new world quill than an old world quill.
1: Right.
0: But those new world guys are, uh, because their quills start further back, you get the feeling if you just and you, i wouldn't recommend this but if you just go very gently and just say hey little guy
1: <laughs> don't do that
0: i just i just want to give you a scritch under the under the chin mm-hmm. and i think you might enjoy it and i'm going to move very slowly just don't turn around and you'll you'll have a really good time
1: I'd like to uh, include a <laughs> disclaimer here. That, Don't do uh, it. You guys should not listen to Chuck right now. He's doling out some really terrible advice.
0: Yeah, it's just the, because those quills start farther back, they got that cute little head and face, and mm-hmm. it just makes you want to give them a scritch.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Like if you watch teddy, teddy bear videos, um, teddy bear the porcupine, you will want to go get one as a pet. There's another one I saw called Diva, and she was a baby porcupine. She's adorable. Um, Yeah, you totally want to do that, and I'm sure there are ways to handle them. But I also saw, you know, one of those zoo guys on a a late night talk show, and he had, I think, an African crested porcupine on his lap, and that thing was not at all worried or scared or um, in any sort of defense mode, and that dude was in pain just letting this thing sit on his lap, because I don't know. We, you said, you know, they look like guinea pigs, and I said overgrown guinea pigs, some of these things can get really big. There's a cape porcupine. I think it's the biggest one. They get up to like 65 pounds. 65 pounds, is like a large dog.
0: Yeah, um, and, and, and when With they, quills, though. Oh, with the quills uh, puffed up?
1: No, like, they're 65 pounds year-round, and then— but imagine a sixty-five pound dog with those quills. That's that's dangerous.
0: Yeah, what I meant. I know they don't actually weigh more when they puff up, but um okay. they, they can when they puff those quills out. They can look two to three times their size. So
1: right, yeah, yeah. I
0: imagine that thing looks enormous. And actually, I don't do this much, but I'm watching that that thing eat that corn on the cob right now. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? Yeah, I have to have the sound down, so I'm going to go back you, and watch you, it. Again. You have to hear
1: the sound, <laughs> like the sound does it. But even without the sound, he's just awfully cute, huh?
0: Yeah, kind they kind of look like beavers a little bit, too, and they are right. related as fellow rodents. Um, here, I think we should take a break. Oh, I'm, okay. get, I'm getting kind of worked up here. And we'll come back and talk more about these cute little stabby suckers right after this.
1: All right, game off. with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Okay, Charles, we're back. And um, we've been talking mostly about quills.
0: Yeah. So one more thing about quills, and there's going to be more than one more thing about quills. Let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, we said they couldn't shoot them. What they can do? These things do fall out, just like hair, and right. they grow just like fingernails, and and yeah. will eventually fall. So when they shake, they if they have loose quills, they can fly off. But they're still not like uh, shooting, like Aristotle said, like uh, deadly needle darts.
1: No, but they can be problematic. Like these things can puncture the sidewalls of tires. I was reading um the blog of some tire company, KAL Tires, I think up in the Yukon, and they said that it's actually it can be a problem. Like if you run some, over one? Like on some roads, yeah, that oh. like if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you run over a porcupine quill, you you're you're probably going to get a flat. That's how, th- how tough those things are. Well, that's sad. what for your tire no for the for your afternoon well no you're not running over are you still watching teddy bear videos
0: no i thought you said if you run over a porcupine it can porcupine quill oh well being what is it just a loose quill on the road
1: yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like just a loose quill laying on the road if you run over it, it goes into your sidewall you're probably going to get a flat tire that's how tough those things are
0: okay i thought you meant if you actually run over a porcupine and you have like a bunch of quills
1: I, I that would probably do it too, especially if the <laughs> okay. porcupine was in a defensive procedure. But the porcupine doesn't have to die in this case for you to get a flat tire.
0: So regardless of that sadness, they there is sadness in that despite this great adaptation and this great defense mechanism, mm-hmm. uh they still can be hunted. Um lions can still hunt them. Uh human people, there's the bushmeat trade uh for the old world porcupines that is, you know, just you know what that means. Uh, and there are, you know, there are owls, wolverines, uh, pythons. Uh, there's something called a fisher that looks sort of like a a weasel bear fox or something. Did you yeah. look that thing up?
1: Yeah. I think it's related to otters and, and weasels.
0: Okay. But it had a little sort of a bear face. It was interesting. But, they
1: apparently stink too.
0: Well, they stink in more ways than one because <laughs> they learned to flip these porcupines over where they have that soft belly meat and no quills. As a way to attack them, which really makes me mad.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't like fishers for that reason either. I'd never heard of them until recently, until we started researching this. And I hadn't either. They're I, on my I, hit list. I don't list. like them.
0: Nope. I just don't like them. Eat something else.
1: Yeah, leave the porcupines alone because they're actually pretty nice.
0: Yeah, and they don't eat. What do they eat? They eat vegetables and fruits and berries and nuts and <clears throat> tubers and roots.
1: Yeah, so um, they, they, they eat all those things. They'll also eat crops, which is um, porcupines are considered a nuisance, especially if you're a farmer or even a, a gardener in the suburbs, because they will eat your root vegetables. They will eat corn, um, mm, love, love that corn, corn, apparently. <laughs> um, but they'll also, they have a, another thing too, where they need sodium in their diet. They, yeah, this they is actually so weird. need. They need a pretty um, even ratio of one-to-one one of potassium to sodium for their electrical conductivity in their body to work. But they don't get much sodium in their diet. Um, plants have lots of potassium, not much sodium. So, they have to go find it elsewhere. And it turns out we humans have a lot of stuff that has sodium in it. Apparently, plywood glue mm-hmm. contains a lot of sodium. So, they love eating wood structures we build out of plywood. Um the salt that we put on the roads gets kicked up on the underside of our car, so you might find a uh, a, a porcupine chewing on the tires or the hoses or belts or wires under your car.
0: Yeah, what I saw else? that they would even, uh, because the humans sweat so much salt when they're working, mm-hmm. that they'll go, like, if you have some— uh, some wooden pruners in your shed mm. they'll yeah. go in there and they'll start eating the handle of your pruners because it just has a residual human salt left over on it
1: right you just walk so cool. in you're like are you nuts <laughs> what is wrong with you you porcupine just set up a salt lick for those fellas yeah, well, they'll find anywhere they can find a natural salt, like they'll definitely eat that too. But yes, anything that has human sweat on, it, even trace amounts of human sweat, they'll go bonkers. For. Oh, they'd love like meat. they eat oars, mm-hmm. um, paddles, that kind of stuff. So, but yes, typically they, they eat um, leaves, stems, they eat shoots and leaves. Um, <laughs> they also, though, and this is another reason why they're considered a nuisance, they eat the bark off of the tree. So they're considered generalists. They'll eat just about any kind of vegetation. Yeah, um, which is actually, and they're also super adaptable, which is why you'll find porcupines almost anywhere there's vegetation. Um, but they, they'll—that's what they eat. You know, in spring, summer, fall, and then in winter they don't hibernate, which actually makes them kind of um, unusual as well. But they—they they go from being um, generalists to what's known as um, faculative specialists, meaning their diet becomes very limited to just one or two types of trees. And not just one or two types of trees. During the winter, they may just feed on the inner bark of one tree. And that can be problematic because the inner bark is where nutrients and water moves from the roots to the rest of the tree. And if that porcupine eats all the way around it, mm-hmm. what's called girdling a tree, it can kill or seriously damage that tree
0: yeah so if i mean if you have a problem if you live in the woods and stuff and you see a tree it could be a beaver but either way you kind of handle it the same you can wrap like chicken wire around it uh around Mm. the bottom or some sort of um aluminum or something sheeting to keep the the beaver and or porcupine from gnawing on that thing
1: Yeah, and I would guess you'd want to wear work gloves because the salt from the sweat in your hands (laughs) is just going to attract them to that chicken wire.
0: Uh, Yeah, they eat. uh, They're nocturnal, so they're mainly doing this stuff at night. They're patrolling around. Uh, They're defending their areas that they feed.
1: I saw both. I saw that they're territorial. I saw that they're also not territorial.
0: Yeah, it probably depends with, you know, so many different species Mm -hmm. uh, because they will travel outside their home range uh, if they want to get a mate um, Mm -hmm. or if they need that salt. They're usually, uh, they're fairly solo flyers, although um, sometimes you'll see a couple of them. Uh, They may be mated. They may be siblings. Um, I don't think we mentioned that the old world uh, porcupines are actually really good swimmers.
1: Both of them are, for, from what I understand. Oh, really? hmm Okay. Yeah, and New World will actually go swim out to gather aquatic plants. They swim more than the Old World do, does, but they just swim to collect plants, and then they bring it back to the shore to eat.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're living in uh, – they don't – they'll, like, sleep in trees sometimes. The climbers will, but uh, it seems like they make use of other – Animals' dens when they're not around and they have mm-hmm. left, like uh, they'll go to an aardvark den that has been abandoned uh, or a hole, and they will change it around, maybe knock down some walls, open up that floor plan.
1: Yeah, so, put an island in the kitchen.
0: Yeah, of course, gotta have the big island. Sure. Uh, and then you know they they'll just adapt it to their needs uh, because obviously they're a little puffier than the aardvark.
1: Yeah, and in doing so, Chuck, a question that I kept running up against was, what role do porcupines play in the ecosystem? And they think that one of the big roles they play is by basically disturbing stuff. They disturb the soil when they're, di- when they're digging and burrowing and everything. Oh, interesting. And they, they found that they, the, um, through that they propagate way more seeds than, than would otherwise be propagated if they weren't around. So forests are much more diverse with them in it than without them because of all of their scratching and moving and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and it seems like for rodents, they live uh, a long time. They can live in the wild. I mean, I sort of saw a wild range anywhere from yep, I did too, three to five years in the wild to like 10 years in the wild. I saw one that lived to be 18. I saw the record was 25, mm-hmm. which I think was second only to a beaver. As far as the the rodent record, I think there was a 28-year-old beaver once.
1: I saw one in Brazil was to, um, can live up to 27 years in captivity. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that's long-lived. But, yeah, I saw three to five years, too. And I guess it just depends on the species, you know?
0: Yeah. And the other thing about their uh, feeding habits is they eat seasonally. Uh, right. They're little hipsters. They eat seasonally and locally. <laughs> so... The, depending on what's there, they will, I think in the winter, they'll eat more evergreen needles and, the like, sort of the inner bark of the trees and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and then, you know, when those sweet berries come around or when that corn crop is coming in, just look mm-hmm. out.
1: Then they turn back into generalists. That's right. So, um, I feel like we cannot go any further. We can't dance around the fact <laughs> that, <just> said it. <laughs> that porcupines copulate. Um and when they do copulate, they produce offspring. And we should talk about that.
0: Yeah. Should we break or should we do this and then break?
1: I feel like we're going to need to take a break after this. <laughs> okay.
0: So, porcupines have stabby quills. That's that point backwards. That's right. And if you know how a, a rodent and a mammal like this would have sex, it mm. is uh, from something, a, a male approaching the female – from the rear, yeah, right where those things are pointing. And so you think, how do they do this? Uh, what happens is the males are going to, um, they're going to vie for the female like so many animals. They have these sort of noisy battles and they, they whine and they stomp when they win and stomp their tail and try to impress the lady, puff their quills out. And mm-hmm. if the lady says, all right, I think you might be a good match for me, what does he do?
1: He sprays urine all over her.
0: That's right. EP, um, and she goes.
1: Her. She goes. That was wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, let's go, big boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put down. I'm gonna lay down my quills. Yeah, and Just move the tail to the side. It's business time. Right. Yeah, because the um, tail is barbed. I don't think we said that either.
1: No, but like all the quills are barbed, right?
0: Well, no, I think the actual tail is barbed.
1: Oh. Good Lord as yeah, well so. which
0: can help with the, the climbing and stuff
1: <laughs> right so I think it would take being sprayed with urine to, to you would want to reach that level of commitment to make sure <laughs> that you could trust that that barbed tail is going to be kept to the side like are know? we
0: really in are we in
1: right and then yes that that definitely says yes you're in um you're in get it yep I told you we would need a break let's take <laughs> one shall we all
0: right and we'll talk you about uh we'll talk about porcupets right after this.
1: You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you.
0: That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at DiscoverPuertoRico.com. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal
1: with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins?
0: Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber live like a gaginian there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit atnt.com slash hypergig for details. Hey friends, as every parent knows, kids seem to be everywhere all at once, and it's really tough for even the most watchful moms and dads to protect their little ones from every single thing.
1: Yeah, Duracell understands this, and that's why they're deeply committed to lithium coin battery safety. Lithium coin batteries power a bunch of important things around people's homes, including things young children may have access to. So Duracell not only educates parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of lithium coin battery safety, they also make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them.
0: Even Duracell's packaging is child secure and designed to avoid accidental opening because they believe their products should provide more than just power. They should also provide peace of mind. You can learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely available on 2032, 2025 and 2016 sizes.
1: So Chuck, the porcupines have copulated. Mm-hmm. They were successful, um, and the uh, female has now uh, gestated for 205 to 217 days. Yeah. And what did you say were just born?
0: Porcupets. <laughs> like <that cute>?
1: E-T-T-E-S.
0: P T T E S. Yeah, not pets is in something you keep, but yeah, little porcupets.
1: Like a like the the 50s singing group girl version of the porcupines. <laughs>
0: Randy Porcupine and the Porky Pets. Right,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and here's where it got a little confusing because I saw different stuff depending on where I looked. And again, it may be according to species. Um, I saw that they rarely have more than one at a time. I also saw that sometimes they have up to four. But let's just say between one and four per litter. Uh, yeah. And they stay with their, their mommies for a little longer than uh than what i found it says in i think from the san diego zoo just a few months but i also saw anywhere from 12 to 24 months and they mm-hmm. at least um need that mother's milk for like 6 months
1: and I think it really depends on the species. Like I saw um, those the, the largest ones, the Cape porcupine, they actually stay in family units of a mom and a dad and one to two kids. Oh, so, interesting, because so, the
0: dad's usually out of there with the porcupines. Right,
1: right. So, yeah, especially with North American porcupines. I feel like a lot, because we're in America, a lot of the info we got was for North American porcupines, yeah, and probably. people just called it porcupines, mm-hmm. which required a lot more digging. But I, I feel like— um, With North American porcupines, it's like, hey, good luck with the kids. And then the mom has the kid and is like, hey, I'm weaning you. Good luck with the rest of your life. And then they live this kind of solitary, happy existence, digging around and eating tree bark.
0: Yeah. And uh, if you think the porcupet is as soft and cute as you would imagine, you are correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those needle-like quills start to um, stiffen up very quickly. But it takes – it kind of starts – three or four days later, and then I imagine takes a little while to reach full, you know, kind of hard quill version.
1: Yeah, and I saw conflicting information too. Um, I, I saw that they were born precocious, where they had a full set of teeth, their eyes were open, and then it just took a few hours for their quills to harden into, like, adult um.
0: <laughs> quillage.
1: <laughs> that was even take two, Chuck. <laughs> uh, yes, adult quillage. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, I, I, also I also saw that, where saw their that
0: eyes were closed for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, don't know. It's possible, it's different species, it's also possible the San Diego Zoo just got a bunch of stuff wrong.
0: Well, that's always possible. Great zoo, I've been there. Uh, I know we did an episode on zoos and whether or not they were ethical, so you can go make up your own mind about that, but. Isn't that where Jack Hanna
1: hailed from, wasn't he a San Diego Zoo guy?
0: I feel like that's probably true. Let's just say it is. Uh, I got something else on these quills. Uh, they have an <laughs> antiseptic. Wait a minute. I thought, we, I thought we were
1: done with quills, you said. No, no, no.
0: Never done with quills. Okay. Uh, they have an antiseptic quality, apparently. Uh, oh, wow. In case of self-stabbage.
1: That's awesome. I, I hadn't seen that, actually. And I think we should say, too, um, just one more thing about quills. I'm breaking my own rules here. Mm-hmm. Because they're like modified hair, they um, grow back when they're shed. They're constantly shedding and growing quills.
0: Yeah, and like I said, you should not approach one in the wild, but um, they may carry rabies, but other than that, they don't really carry any other diseases uh, that we need to worry about. Which, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, like if you wanted to love porcupines anymore, Uh there you go. (laughs) Like you could snuggle one and you don't have to worry about any diseases.
0: Yes, but don't eat them like they do in some parts of the world. Um, They are in pretty good shape, but... Uh, They have been exterminated in certain parts of Africa um, because they do eat root crops, so they're a a nuisance pest, so they get rid of them. Uh, People can uh, quillact. You like that? They can collect the quills for ornamentation. Um, And I think there's a couple of them that are listed as vulnerable, uh, and very sadly, of course, because their habitat is being lost.
1: Yes, but globally porcupines are under um they're considered of least concern. Yeah. Um which itself is concerning because they're considered pests in a lot of places so they're eradicated. Um the I think it was the Maryland DNR, the Do Not Resuscitate Agency, um said that on their site that porcupines um used to be in the southeastern United States but they were eradicated. I didn't know that, and I've, I've never heard that, and I couldn't find it anywhere else, but I don't know why the DNR would make that up.
0: I'm trying to think if I've ever seen one in the mm, wild. I, I, I they they do
1: not live in the southeast, but the the Maryland DNR is saying, like— I've,
0: I've traveled all over the world. Uh, right. I'm not saying in my backyard.
1: Oh, I got gotcha. you. Well, we were talking about the southeast. You can imagine yeah, why sure. I, I fell for that one.
0: No, I'm just trying to think of a, if I've seen one, like, camping out west or anything. I don't, oh, I don't know if I've ever seen something. one. I never
1: have. I would think you would definitely remember seeing a porcupine in real life.
0: Probably. Armadillos you know? everywhere. Yeah,
1: Everywhere. And, you know, they carry Hansen's disease, so don't get close to them. Porcupines don't carry any communicable diseases that humans are concerned about.
0: Except rabies.
1: Yeah, they can be rabid. But all mammals can be rabid, you know?
0: So, should we talk about what happens, you know, if you just Google porcupine and dog You're going to get a lot of very sad pictures of curious dogs who stuck their snout where they shouldn't and are barbed all over the nose and snout. Not good.
1: No. um, And there's a lot of things that you want to do and don't want to do if that happens to your dog because it's actually really bad If that happens. So, if your dog... is, If you ever see a porcupine on a hike with your dog, get your dog away from that porcupine. Not just for the porcupine's sake. Like, if a porcupine goes into a defensive posture, it's scared to death. Yeah. It's not... It might seem all tough and angry. It's scared. That's why it's doing that. But also it could really mess your dog up. So for at least your dog's sake, get your dog away from the porcupine. And if if you fail to do that quickly enough and your dog does take some quills in its face, in its neck, wherever, um, those things can, because especially on in the new world porcupine, uh, that their quills have um, barbs, they can migrate further and further inward. Um, they're not going to work themselves out. They're going to actually work themselves in. So you want to take your dog to a vet like you, your dog gets quilled. You get in the car. You go to the vet. That's the order of how everything happens. You don't stop and get a double cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like go home and like read the paper first. Like you go straight to the vet because your dog's going to need to go under general anesthesia um, to to have those things removed. That's how bad of a jam it is.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to amend that with your permission um, because what the first thing you should do. And hopefully you're with someone else. If you've got – it really it would be great if you have two people in on this, one Mm -hmm. one to drive and Mm -hmm. one to keep your dog from messing with their face.
1: Yeah, that's a big one.
0: Because they're going to – if there's quills poking in a dog's face, they're going to paw at it. They're going to try and rub their nose on the ground. And that is bad, 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 because those quills are just going to go further and further in. So you really, really need to do your best to – Hold on to your dog. Hold their head up and keep their paws away from their face. Uh, and like you said, go straight to that vet because you don't try and remove them yourself. you're no. ju- you're only going to make it worse, and that's like guaranteed.
1: The, there's also supposedly a, a, a myth that if you clip the porcupine quill, it deflates it and makes it easier to, to 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 come out. They don't. They're not inflated with air. No. So clipping, it's not going to deflate anything. Is that Aristotle? <laughs> yeah, and it actually can make the quill shatter. Because imagine like um like a, a really hard claw or something like that being clipped with some scissors. It's going to shatter some. Um, and if if enough of a piece shatters far enough down, um, it can reach the skin level. And then if it works its way in, all of a sudden you just made it that much harder to get out. Because you just added a new barb, which is that shattered, jagged edge that used to be intact before you cut it like a knucklehead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see the instinct if you don't know what's going on to be to clip them because if they're really long and sticking out of their face it looks terrible yeah. or to yeah. try and just pull, yank them out but do, do not do yeah that. don't do either one of those things um another big reason why is the risk of infection is really really big yeah. um i mean they have multiple multiple stab wounds essentially mm-hmm. and they th- like you said the only solution is general anesthesia i mean it's it's not surgery, but it's not not surgery.
1: No, and they, they, you know, some of these may not ever be able to come out, and your pet's is going to have a lifetime of being monitored to make sure they don't migrate toward a, a joint or an organ or their the back of their eye. Who knows? Yeah. Where, depending on where they got stabbed with the quill. So um, I think it was the the ASPCA that said the best way to to um, to deal with this is to prevent it from ever happening. Just don't let your dog anywhere near a porcupine. It's just a, not worth the risk. Yeah. And don't, you're, you're going to scare the porcupine, too.
0: Yeah. And if you live in porcupine country, don't ever let your dog out of the house.
1: <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, just keep it wrapped in bubble wrap yeah. at all
0: times. Toilet train them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or just change the bubble wrap. Let them pee in the bubble wrap.
0: Yeah. Just have, get tons and tons of bubble wrap. And then and don't throw it away. Don't recycle it. Uh Put it in a huge pile at the end of each season in your front yard (laughs) and melt it with a blowtorch.
1: Yeah, that's great. Maybe mix it with acetone first. Yes. Um, I've got two more porcupine facts if you will indulge me. Let's hear it. You got anything else? I got nothing else. In the 70s, the 70s in the UK was a swing in time for porcupines apparently Mm -hmm. because there was – A population of Himalayan porcupines, crested, I believe, in South Devon in the wild because they'd escaped from the zoo uh, sometime in the 70s and lived on the land for a decade. And the same thing happened in Staffordshire with a kind of crested porcupine Mm -hmm. where they had a wild population because they escaped from the zoo too. Is that near (laughs) Stoke-on-Trent? I don't know. We'll have to ask Tom if that's near Stoke-on-Trent. All right, you got anything else again? I got nothing else. Okay. Well, that's it for porcupines, everybody. Go watch teddy bear videos. You're going to love them. Uh, And since I said teddy bear, it's time for listener mail.
0: Man, I can't wait to turn up the volume on this.
1: (laughs) It's going (laughs) to knock your socks right off.
0: I do. uh, This Teddy bear is probably on Instagram, I would imagine. But I do follow that uh, groundhog on Instagram.
1: Oh, I, I think I know. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah,
0: Chunk the Groundhog, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh here we go. This is from Oh, this is from Don the Black Cowboy. Did you see this one? Oh, yeah. This is great. It's fantastic. Uh we did a short stuff on uh Black Cowboys in history and how they have long been overlooked. So, if for some weird reason, you don't listen to short stuffs. You should. Yeah. Uh, we never kind of promote that, but it's just like stuff you should know, but it's shorter.
1: Yeah, what's your problem? Listen.
0: Uh, Hey, guys. My name is Don, and I'm a 25-year-old black cowboy from Texas. Uh, I, along with my brother, am also a second-generation amateur uh, farrier as well. (laughs) My father taught us after learning the trade growing up on our family farm, then later going into horseshoeing as a side career. When I saw your episode about blacksmithing, I was eager to hear if you mentioned farriers in it and thought I might finally write in. Uh, Then... When you came out with a Black Cowboy episode, all of my friends shared the episode with me, so (laughs) I knew I had to write. Uh, As a kid, our family did trail rides, rodeos, and horse races nearly every weekend. Uh, Since leaving my hometown for college and beyond, I've often been uh, the first introduction to Black Cowboys slash farmers for most people. There's a large community of Black Cowboys and farmers still surviving, regardless of the systemic issues we face. Uh, Whenever it's safe again, I'd like to invite anyone hearing this out to our annual trail ride Easter weekend to -hmm. get a chance to experience the lifestyle. Isn't that cool? Dude, I so want to do this.
1: So he sent a flyer, too, and it looks super interesting. It does.
0: It looks awesome.
1: Yeah, so they hold it over Easter weekend, and you just basically go live the cowboy life for a weekend. I love it. And Uh, it's like 10 bucks or something like that, too.
0: Yeah, it's not like some city slicker scam.
1: No, Don doesn't stick it to you.
0: Don will give it to you straight. That's right. 10 bucks. Straight shooter. He says, love the podcast, really helped keep me company these last few years in the Peace Corps. So Don is my new most interesting man in the world, I think.
1: He, he is one of the more well-rounded Stuff You Should Know listeners we've heard from in a while.
0: Yeah, and he says, P.S., yes, I did ride my horse to school. That's amazing.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Don. Hats off to you. 10-gallon hat, even. Literally. Um, thank you for the invite. We may see you one of these Easter weekends on your trail ride. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, too, to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's Radio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, Radio, visit the iHeartRadio Radio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com for data management practices and additional terms. Visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.